You ready to do this? I think so. Alright, sounds good. Jim Steidinger, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. I appreciate it a lot. It's my honor. Oh, thanks. That's kind of you to say. So, Jim, tell us a little bit about who you are. I know that you were born October 11th, 1931. And did you grow up here in Fairbury? Is that right? I spent my entire life in Fairbury, other than the time that I was in the military. Really? Wow. So you, you were even born here? Yes, I was born here. Really? Where at? Well, in the February Hospital, but it was an old house at the time that uh, I was born. And There's a hospital. There was a hospital up until the 90s in Fairbury. It was on 5th Street, or around that area anyways. And that was a, a bigger hospital. But I think when you were born, there is an even smaller hospital that, like you said, it was, it was in a house. Was that the one kind of by Dave's or... There was one, uh, there was a house right where, where the hospital sits now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so where the hospital is now, the old hospital, yes. there was a smaller house there before. Fairbury had several different places they had hospitals. Really? Hmm. Fairbury, hmm. I feel like Fairbury used to be a different place than it is now. It used to be a little busier. Well, Fairbury was busy. It was a coal mining town. Right, yeah. And it was a rough, tough coal mining town. <laughs> so you were born in 1931 here in Fairbury, and that was, it was kind of towards the end of the Great Depression, but still times weren't easy. Can you tell me what it was like to grow up in this area during that time? I know that uh, we kids uh, kind of, we got along together and, and, uh, had the different different playmates that we, we went to and and uh, there was no uh time that they uh you had to make appointments to get your kids to play with somebody. You just opened the door and they were gone. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Parents were probably busy during this time. There's not as many, you know, work from home jobs and stuff like no, that. No, there weren't any. You you had a job or you were you're a housekeeper. Mm, yeah. So, what did your parents do? Well, my father was in the tire business in Fairbury. Right, Steidinger Tire. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And, and uh, he started that in 1927. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just kind of grew up with it. Yeah. And what, what did your mom do? She was a housewife. I see. How did you spend your time when you were a kid? What did you do in your free time? How did you have fun? <laughs> Played cops and robbers and got in trouble. <laughs> what do you think back then? I feel like kids could get away with a lot more things before getting the cops called on them. Is that accurate? Am I correct? Well, it would be cop called on you. Mm-hmm. We had one officer in town. <laughs> really? Yeah. You didn't have too much chance to get a follow of him. That's incredible, because during the 30s, I was just looking at a graph about the population of Fairbury in the past century. During the 30s, it was kind of towards the end of the coal mines in town, but the population was still pretty high. It was like 2,000 plus people, which that's a lot of people for just one cop. Well, we just didn't have many people. People pretty well minded their own business and Mm -hmm. took care of things. Probably low crime rates, you would say? I would say very low crime rate. Well, 
So people who are watching this, we're at Fairview Haven uh, Retirement Community right now, and we're not wearing masks. And there's good reason for that. You've had COVID twice, right? Yes, right. Twice. And you've had your vaccinations. What was having COVID twice like? Because I believe you're one of the first people in this area to have it in the first place. So what was that experience like? I don't know how to explain it. I was sick. Then uh, I recovered, and about four months later, I got I was exposed again and went right back all through it again. However, the second time wasn't nearly as bad as the first time. It was it was it was ornery, but it wasn't it wasn't very bad. This show is sponsored in part by Fairberry Furniture. Do you have neck or back issues? Do you prefer sitting on furniture from this century? Would you rather your home interior look like it's from a modern living magazine than from the Great Depression? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I urge you to shop at Fairberry Furniture in downtown Fairberry, where they have loads of the most stylish, trending, and comfortable furniture around. That's Fairberry Furniture in downtown Fairberry. This show is also sponsored in part by Brands Martial Arts in Fairbury as well. Michael Brand is a Hall of Fame martial artist and he is the primary instructor at this martial arts academy. He's excellent with kids, teens, and adults and I personally train here quite often and I love it. So if you're looking to enter the world of martial arts and you're in the area, then I suggest you shoot Brands Martial Arts a message on Facebook. That's Brands Martial Arts in downtown Fairbury. So the first time you got it, like I said, that was towards the beginning of this whole pandemic. Do you remember, were people freaked out to hear that you had COVID? Did they quick quarantine you or what did they do when they found out? Well, I, I went to the hospital and uh, no one ever said COVID to me at that time. I went to the hospital and I had a tough time of it there. Hmm. And uh, but then they quarantined everyone, and I couldn't come back to February. So you were in the hospital. Which hospital? I was in. Uh, I was in Broman at uh, when I was in the hospital. And when I recovered, oh, some two three weeks later, I don't really know how long it was. Right. I was transferred to a nursing home down Southern Park State, down by Champagne somewhere. I can't. I can't recall the name of it right now. Was it scary having COVID? Like, I mean, at the beginning of this whole thing, everyone was scared that it was super, super deadly. Were you scared for your life? No, you weren't. No. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> I figured, figured uh, I was well taken care of. So. Uh, if you died, you died. I guess so. Fair enough. What about that second time? When it hit you the second time, was everyone like, oh my gosh, we didn't even know you could get it twice? Well, I, I didn't know it. you get it twice. In fact, I wasn't really sure it was, and, but they said I was positive for COVID. And uh, it, the thing is, you get so darn weak. Mm-hmm. I could have tigers if I find an old, sick one. Right. Real old. But uh, that's the way it was, and it takes so long to recover. Well, so I just figured we'd address that right off the bat, because some people might be like, why aren't you wearing masks? You're in a retirement home. 
and you're not wearing masks, well, that's why. It's because he's gotten the COVID vaccines, both of them, and he's had COVID twice, so I feel like you're pretty well immune, and this is fine. Plus, we're about six feet apart. Anyways, let's talk a little bit more about growing up in Fairbury. So, you know, you went out like a normal kid, you played with your friends, you got in a little trouble, stuff like that, and you went to high school here in Fairbury, and this was right before Fairbury and Cropsey consolidated. You went to Fairbury High School. What was that time like in your life? Were you a good student, no, big athlete? No, <laughs> I was a lousy student. Lousy student, huh? Yes, and I was not a good athlete. I, <laughs> I played football my final year, but uh, I wasn't a first-string fo- football player. Mm. Did you, you had an injury, too, in football, didn't you? Well, I dislocated my left shoulder several times. Jeez, heck of a one season you had. And you weren't, you were a lousy student, you said. Yes, I was a lousy student. Why were you a lousy student? I really don't know. I, all I know is about senior in high school, the light came on that, hey, there's a lot in this world to learn. It's like a, a, a mechanic, and uh, you, you buy a toolbox, it's empty. You buy tools that put in it slowly and you use them for things. You might not use them for three or four years, but you got them. And when you, that's the same as for education. You got this education and you can't take it away from you. Yeah. Wow, that's a brilliant analogy. Come to think of it, that's how toolboxes work. Yeah, you might not use some of the tools, but once it comes time that the tools needed, you're ahead, you're ready. This show is sponsored in part by Gomez Lawn Care. Do you have grass outside of your home? Most people would know this to be a lawn. This is your very own plot of land, your homestead. The last thing you see on your way out and the first thing that guests see on their way in. It's a public display of your character. If you have crabgrass, weeds, and tons of leaves, then you're going to be perceived as a bad planner and a procrastinator. But if your lawn is vibrant, tailored, and green, then you'll be correctly perceived as a smart and respectable person that I know you are. Growing a beautiful lawn represents a triumph precisely because it's hard to do. Much like having a flat stomach or six-pack abs, success requires tons of time, discipline, and commitment, and that is more than what most busy people like yourself can bear. You're a busy person. You shouldn't waste all of your energy and precious time managing your own lawn. What you should do is hire the professionals over at Gomez Lawn Care to do it for you. Gomez Lawn Care offers high-quality services such as weekly and bi-weekly mowing, lawn seeding, core aeration, lawn rolling, after-storm cleanup, hedge trimming, dog waste removal, and much more. To hire their services or just to learn more, you can text LAWN to 309-212-8134 or give them a call or send them a message on Facebook at Gomez Lawn Care. Or another option is you can simply visit their website at GomezLC.com. That's Gomez LC for lawn care and book them in seconds. Their prices are phenomenal, their service is supreme, and everyone around here loves them and so will you. Again, that's Gomez Lawn Care. Turn your lawn into a Zen paradise. Well, that's the way it is, and uh, you need them. You need them. Some things you just have to. You just have to have a special tool for. Mm-hmm. So, that's just my opinion. You get get all the education you can, and you can get all the tools you can, and 
You're, you're ready for whatever happens. Exactly. Yeah, you're well equipped. A lot of kids will say, you know, why do we have to learn geometry? I mean, you rarely have to use advanced geometry in real life. But if there comes a time where you need to use it, you're going to be darn well glad that you learned it. And that is the most important thing, mathematics. You think so? I really do. Uh, and uh, so I'm, 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 I, I like science, too. Mm-hmm. It was a strange situation. I did lousy in math, and I did good in physics. Yeah, so you're more of a science guy than a math guy. I am. Yes, I am. A lot of people really place value in the STEM fields. STEM for science, technology, engineering, math. The boring things. They're not boring, but, you know, they're the, they think that those are more important for the advancement of the world. But what do you think about arts? I feel like arts aren't really valued by uh, people from your generation. No offense. (laughs) You know, but they didn't really help back then. You know, post Great Depression, artists weren't really valued. No, it's true, but artists are a weird bunch. A weird bunch? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think they'll deny that. On average, the culture of artists, they're kind of weird. No yeah. offense to artists watching this. No, no. You they, know it, though. <laughs> they, 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 they just dare to be different. They, uh, they enjoy what they're doing, and they say the beauty of nature. That's right. But uh, it's, I just can't, I can't draw a straight line. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to drafting or that, that type of thing, I've got to have a, a rule to work on. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, mechanical things I get along pretty well with. Right, yeah. It's like these are different worlds. They're different languages. Yes. Like working on mechanical things is one language. Mathematics, that's another language. Art, that's a whole different language. I really think so. Art can be found in so many things, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it just... I, uh, I myself was a blacksmith. Yes, uh, yeah. The latter part of the, my uh, uh, career, I, 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 I was... My, I, I picked up blacksmith at an early age. My grandfather was a blacksmith. And I pounded on hot iron in his shop some, too. But uh, later I acquired some of his equipment, <laughs> and I had it with my, gee, my grandfather's anvil. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you said some about your blacksmithing, because look right here on this table, we have some of your pretty darn good blacksmithing work. You have this spider with twisted legs, you have this cross, and did you make this one, this uh, cobra? Yes. That's really good. I don't know how you got this so smooth. Like, that's great. That's that, impressive work. That inc- Incidentally, that and the spider are both railroad spikes. Railroad spikes, wow. And you said you weren't an artist, and maybe you can't draw a straight line, but dang, these are good. Well, <laughs> I think they're acceptable. Yeah. Me too, me too. And, uh, no, but you said artists, they kind of, they dare to be different. I like that a lot. I think arts, and here I was dogging on art a little bit, but I think art is so important because it promotes creativity and expressing one's, you know, emotions into, like, 
into a piece of art. I think it's actually really important. I myself, I'm, I'm, I have a hard time coming up with different ideas. Mm-hmm. I'll see someone else has done something, and I don't copy it, but I can. Uh, my point is, can I do it better? Yeah. Improve upon the work of others. Yeah. That's how we advance in the world, really. Yeah. Both the spider and the, and the cobra are, are of that category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess a cross is a relatively simple design. But you kind of made it look really good. It looks like wood. You know, it's got the... That, that is made of wrought iron. Raw iron. Wrought iron. Oh, raw, what's that mean? Well, it's uh, hammered iron. It, uh, it's one of the earliest stages of iron. In, in the, you have the, your iron ore, and then you get your uh, cast iron and fig iron, and out of that, then you get your, your uh, wrought iron, and it's all refining it all the way. Oh, so there's different stages. The more you heat and bang the iron, it gets, yeah, it gets yeah. different names. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a fun thing I didn't know about is your blacksmithing. But after high school, you uh, so you played football. You were a lousy student. And right out of high school, you didn't go to college, of course. You went and worked for your dad who owned, and I believe he founded also, Steidinger Tire which is still around today. Yes, he did. He founded it in 1927. Yeah. And uh, You know what's funny? I called Steidinger Tire the other day, and I talked to Doug, who we'll mm-hmm. talk about. He said that they founded it in 1926, that your dad founded it in 26. I was like, oh, no. Jim said 27. But <laughs> you, th- you say it's 27, right? I, I could be an error. Again, when I get to a certain, you get to a certain age, you embellish on things, some things, and you yeah. slip up on other things. That's right. And a year doesn't make much difference then. That's right. Yeah. So, what was it like going to work for your dad right out of high school? This show is sponsored in part by Connections of Fairview Haven. Fairview Haven Retirement Community has recently introduced a new branch called Connections of Fairview Haven. This is a licensed home service agency whose staff has the ability to provide a wide array of non-medical services for you in the comfort and safety of your own home. What does this mean exactly? It means that a member or members of the Connections of Fairview Haven team will come to you or your loved one's home and help with any and all the services that you need so that you can remain safely at home while ensuring that all of your daily duties get accomplished. These services include running errands, meal preparation, transportation, assistance with bathing, medication reminders, skin, oral, and hair care, and even just friendly conversation, and much more. Additionally, this branch has partnered with some awesome local businesses to provide other services that you may need, like therapy, yard work, home repairs, and more. Connections of Fairview Haven takes all the worry out of daily living and empowers you to continue to live an abundant life your way. This program is servicing Livingston, Iroquois, and Ford counties, and they can start working for you right now with as little as one phone call to 815-692-6703. You can also learn about this new branch on their website, fairviewhaven.org. Connections of Fairview Haven. They're founded on biblical principles, and they are putting the gold back into the golden years. He expected you to be there in the morning. Mm-hmm. You opened at 7 o'clock in the morning and he expected you on the floor at 7 o'clock in the morning. Ready to work. Yeah. But uh, 
He wasn't a real tough taskmaster. He just said something he wanted it, he wanted it accomplished. He uh, he was the kind of person I am. He he, he made things. He made things. Yeah. He was good with his hands. Yeah, he was always making something. Yeah. I said after I laughed at him and I said, "What are you making, Dad?" And he said, "I'm not going to tell you." <laughs> I said, "Why aren't you going to tell me?" He said, "Because if it don't work, I don't have to admit it." Yeah, <laughs> I I actually understand him when he says that. Yeah, it's like I don't want to tell you till I'm done. Otherwise, you're going to know that I failed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So you think you kind of got some of that creativity from him? Oh, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. It, uh, he was quite an individual. He had a real dry sense of humor. That's hilarious. I love that kind of humor. Yeah, I owe a lot to my father. So you're working at Stiding Your Tire. What was it like? Like, I feel, what did you get paid? Just to put that in perspective for people. Do you remember what you got paid? I mean, that's a tough thing to remember, I'm sure, but I'm guessing it wasn't 15 bucks an hour. Oh, heavens no. <laughs> that's what it's going to be here soon. That's, that'll be minimum wage. When I went to work on the farm, I think I got 25 or 50 cents an hour. Now, the other question was, I don't, I'm not sure I was worth that. <laughs> Man, you save up a couple months, you could buy uh, some socks. Yeah. So... But, how long did you work there before you eventually would go into the Navy? Because I believe you went into the Navy when you were kind of young, right? About a year after I graduated from high school. Okay, so you worked about a year with your dad and then you went in? Yeah, but you got to keep in mind that uh, I was a draft dodger. What do you mean by that? Well, they had the draft uh, back then uh, for conscription for the men that were going into the Army and... Uh, uh, I just dodged it. Okay, so you didn't. You how? So did you dodge it by enlisting? Yeah, that's what you meant. Okay, so you. That's funny. So you didn't. You know, I, how could you dodge it for real back then? How did you not go into the draft? How could you dodge it? Oh, some some people did all kinds of things. They, a lot of them went to Canada. Really? And uh, got uh, just. Uh, they, they, they did that in World War Two too, but mm -hmm. uh, there was a there was a lot lot more lot more to lose in World War Two than the Korean conflict. It wasn't a war; they said it was a conflict. So you dodged the draft by enlisting. <laughs> <laughs> and what what did you want to do? Where'd you go? Well, I went up to uh, Great Lakes. I took my training at Great Lakes, and then I went to. Uh, military schools in Jacksonville, Florida, and then up to Memphis, Tennessee. Mm, okay. And you were going into the Navy, right? I was in Naval Aviation. Naval Aviation. Did you want to go into aviation? Actually, it's a funny thing, Paul. <laughs> when I went into the Navy, I asked for submarines. Well, uh, the, sub the uh, personnel man, he looked at me and says, how tall are you? I said, six foot one. He says, I don't recommend you go into submarines because the hatches are all shorter than that. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I said, you'd be banging your head off half the time. <laughs> so he says, I said, well, I says, I'd like to go in the, Air in the Navy, but I don't think I, I uh, could, could get in there. And he says, I get you in there. He says, uh, he... 
we'll get you into schools and uh, you can, we'll get you in there in the naval aviation. You'll be in the uh, train as an engine mechanic. I was I graduated second in I think 150 men in school. Wow! So you got your act together. You were a lousy student in high school. Oh yeah, I got my act together. I was I was taking math courses, correspondence courses, and everything else. Now this is I remember this from when we talked last time. You said you probably could have been number one and been valedictorian, right? Yeah, I could have been. I sandbagged. You sandbag? Why on earth did you do that? Well, the uh, the uh, number one man had to get up in order the uh, at the uh, graduation ceremony and accept awards and meet the the uh, commandant of the, of the district and of the naval district and just stuff like that. And I just I I just didn't want the limelight. <laughs> so you sandbagged and so, became second in your class. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> you don't like giving speeches or what? I didn't. I Since then, I've uh, I've taken a Dale, Dale Carnegie course, and, and and that helped me a lot in speaking. Dale Carnegie? Mm-hmm. I read a book by him called Think and Grow Rich. You ever mm-hmm. heard of that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dale Carnegie. That's crazy. I read... We we learn from the same guy. How about that? I guess this stuff is really timeless. Well, good people are good people. That's right. So so you became a nose picker, I believe is what they call That's it. That's what right? I call it. <laughs> I worked on the front engines of the of the aircraft, and mm-hmm. and uh, I was they called us nose pickers. That's funny. You ever have any crazy uh, experiences there? Any any stories? I remember you told me a little. One little one. We had a we had a uh, uh, a flight. Our flight was out, and we picked up uh, some uh, military people. We had one three-star admiral, two two-star admirals, three captains, and on down the rank and to the lower rank, uh, and then a few enlisted men on the plane that was coming back from uh, Colorado Springs to. Uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, we started icing up over, uh, well, just about over Denver. Okay. What does icing up mean? Well, ice is forming on the wings and uh, and actually it formed on the propeller. Oh, uh, wow. So even while they're spinning, ice was forming? Oh, yeah. It must yeah. have been super cold then. The ice would build up on the props and it would fry off the props and hit the side of the airplane and make a terrible bang. Okay, so you're just flying and bang, 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 bang like that. And the three-star admiral was a submarine admiral. Uh-huh. And I, I, I'd come out of the cabin and look at him, and he'd have his eyes glued on me, and I'd put on a smile. And so everyone's probably panicking, right? Everyone's like, well, oh, snap, some we might some go of, down. Some of them were just short of panicking. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure he was he was wishing he was going through a depth charge, and I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we uh, got out of there, and, and uh, coming down from Denver, we were losing 500 foot a minute. Ooh, so you're going down. We were going down with mountains underneath us. Oh, no. 
This show is sponsored in part by Greg Curtinbaugh's State Farm Office in Fairbury, Illinois. When looking for an insurance provider, clarity, simplicity, solid ratings, and great prices should be at the top of your priorities. Lucky for you, Greg Curtinbaugh's offices fit that bill magnificently. Just look at his office's reviews on Google. Spoiler, they consist of nothing but five-star ratings. Literally, 100% of the reviews are five stars. I can't stress enough just how crazy that is. Greg and his his teams are just awesome. I highly recommend giving them a call at 815-692-3673 and simply asking if they can insure your car, your home, or your life for less than your current provider can, because chances are they can, and they'll tell you in just a couple of minutes for free. A fun fact about Greg also is that he is a celebrity. He starred in a big-time State Farm commercial a few years back that was seen by millions. So in addition to seeing his face on the two massive billboards on the West End of Fairbury, you can also see his face on YouTube or on TV when this commercial plays. Anyway, this office is incredible, and there are tons of reasons why so many people from this area are calling Greg up, getting free quotes, and making him their new agent. So for quality insurance and the impeccable customer service that you deserve, call Greg Curtinbaugh's State Farm office at 815-692-3673. With the pilots, um, Made a forced landing at North Platte, Nebraska. Uh-huh. And uh, we finished our rollout, and, and I directed one of the pilots, and I says, if we had to go around, we couldn't have made it, could we? And he said, no. After that incident with the ice and the plane going down, the forced landing, you said that you kept the smile on your face, that uh, you were kind of in good spirits. And anyways, you got a reward for that, right? You got an award? Well, I tried to uh, keep a good spirit, but I was fully aware of the trouble we were in. Yeah. It's one uh, thing to know the trouble you're in and to still keep a smile on your face, you know? Because you well, can either panic and I'll, just make everyone else panic more. Yeah. Yeah, I was watching this. Well, the reward I got is I got a uh, letter of commendation, which... Uh, it's in this box over here. Mm-hmm. But I had a letter of accommodation from the Admiral Dan Vigliari. If if you're aware of the submarine that's up the Science and Industry Museum, mm-hmm. he was in charge of the the uh, flotilla that caught, captured that submarine. Wow. Oh, is it at the Science or Museum yeah. of Science and Industry? Yeah. There's an, is it an enemy submarine? It's a U-505, a German submarine. Oh. I think it was, it was the only uh, uh, per, uh, warship that was captured by the United States in the, in the World War II. Wow. And I got a letter from him of congratulations for performance of duty. So is it safe to say that the award came from you, your good spirits while at keeping everyone calm? Is that what it was from? It didn't say. It didn't say? It just said performance of duty. Well, that's interesting. Huh. That was my part of my job is I took care of the airplane. I took care of the passengers when we were in flight, too. Yeah. If they needed anything, I did a cup of coffee or something like that. I <laughs> served as steward. Now, during this time also, I believe you had a bit of a, a romantic thing going on, didn't you? Wasn't there some girl you were pretty interested in during this time? I got Dear John letter. Dear John letter? 
I got a Dear John letter from my wife. Oh, so you had a so you met a woman, right? You met your no, wife. No, my wife at that time was my childhood sweetheart. Oh, we went, went to school together, and uh, when I went to the navy, she was home alone. And, but anyway, uh, we broke up, and when after we got back, uh, after I got out of the navy, we got back together. Oh, I see. And we got married, and fourteen years later, she. Asked for a divorce. Oh. Did you have kids at the time with her? three children. I see, I see. Two, two boys and a girl. I was devastated, actually. Oh, I'm sure, but, uh, man. I happened to meet my present wife then. <laughs> it's the best thing that ever happened to me. To meet? Oh, really? My second wife, yeah. yeah. We've been married 55 years now. Okay. Did yeah. you meet her? Did you say you met her? When you were devastated from the... Uh, well, yeah, I was still still a little bit devastated, but... Rightfully so. That's a big deal, yeah. you know? It happened that uh, I was uh, went to a golf tournament out to the country club in February, and... Uh, Shout out to Indian Creek Golf Course. <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, they had a couples tournament. A lady there... Uh, Paired me up with her, with her daughter. Oh, who was also single, I guess. She was a, she was a divorcee too. Oh, okay. That was uh, and we we hit it off on playing golf and what had a date that next Friday night and we were together ever since. Been been together for fifty five years now. Wow. Well, that's nice. She's a good woman, huh? She's out in the other room here. She's she's uh, here. Oh, she's here with you. She's here in Fairview. Wow. Or in Serenity with me. So, in, fact, in fact, we say we share the same room. Do you? Yeah. That's awesome. That's really nice. Real quick, I just want to talk about this place, Fairview, Serenity at Fairview Haven. This place is nice, isn't it? I think it's the best. My son-in-law was finding a place for his mother in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And he says he went to 12 different uh, nursing homes looking for a place to wife uh, for his mother. And nothing compared to this. Yeah, I know my mom's in a, in a nursing home right now, actually. And she? she's only 60. She had a series of strokes. Um, we hope that she'll be able to get out eventually. She's kind of in like the assisted living sector. But, I mean, it's a tough deal to find a good retirement home or nursing home. There's a lot of not so good ones. But Fairview Haven is at a level of its own. There's also a place called Good Samaritan in Pontiac. Yeah, That's where they, she's at. I've heard, uh, I've heard good words about the Good Samaritan. Yeah, they're two good ones. Two good ones for sure. But... Uh... This 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 place is fantastic. Yeah, and you're not being paid to say that, are you? <laughs> I'll see you after dinner, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how do you, if you don't mind me asking, how did you deal with that divorce? Because uh, that had to be a tough time. But maybe if you have some some advice on how you got through that, maybe that could help someone watching this. Put my everything I had into what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, play golf. <laughs> play golf, yeah. <laughs> it's a good recipe for a breakup, I guess. Yeah, but uh, 
it helps if you, if the if your mother-in-law made an arrangement for the for the first date. Uh huh. That helps. Yep. Yep. So parents, maybe that's that's the takeaway from that story. Parents. Get involved. <laughs> Set your kids up with people that you think are uh, nice people, maybe. That's probably terrible advice, but it worked for you. It worked for me. <laughs> I have the best mother-in-law you could find. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. You have a lot to be thankful for, for her, to her. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got along just fine. That's nice. That's not always the case. Apparently, mother-in-laws can be a tough thing to deal with. Sometimes. Mother-in-laws are a different breed, like artists. <laughs> different way. Yeah. So, you came home from the Navy. What did you do immediately when you came home from the Navy? Went to work. Went to work. Where'd you work? Saturday retire. Right again. So, right where you left off. You came back, started working there. Stayed working for my dad for a few years, and then we bought him out, my brother and I. Your brother, uh, Richard, right? Yeah. Well, he sold his to his son. And his son was Doug. No, his, this is, his son, son was, uh, it just went out the window and I forgot my own nephew's name. <laughs> Isn't it Doug? No, but Doug came up to me later and uh, asked me, he says, Uncle Jim, would you consider selling your business to me? You're part of the business. Larry. 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 Okay, okay, I see, I see. Larry. I see. Uh, he said, would you consider selling it to me? I says, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Okay. Wait, so time out. So you and Richard are co-owners of Stiding Your Tire. And Richard, eventually, Richard's your brother, he sells his half to his, his son. Larry. Larry. Okay. And then... Doug is his other son. Oh, okay. Doug is uh, your brother Richard's other son. Mm-hmm. And Doug came to you and said, Uncle Jim, would yeah. you ever consider selling me your half? Yeah, I says, I will make you an offer you can't refuse. However, I says, there's a, there's a stipulation. Okay. That you keep hiring me. I'll be your front end man, alignment man, uh, and tire salesman and what have you. Just work my regular thing here, farm work or whatever it is. But I am employed in time 65. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Doug has the same agreement with, the, I believe, with the people that he bought out, Steidinger's. Right. That's cool. That's cool. But that's, I was uh, employed by Steidinger Incorporated until I was 65 years old. Then I retired. Awesome. And now Doug, uh, Doug actually sold it again, didn't he? Yeah. He sold it to uh, uh, David Seidinger's sons. Oh. I don't know whether it's one son or both or other other. I don't know how many children uh, boys David has. I didn't really know them. Uh, well, he's keeping it in the family then, right? Seidingers. Well, if you if you call that in the family, Seidingers is the oldest business business in town. Yeah, oldest family oldest owned family business. owned business in town. Pretty cool. So, after after your time of studying your tires, or maybe during it, you kind of get involved in politics, right? Local politics. I did. I ran for auditor, and it worked fine. And and you were also during this time, you were a, a committeeman for the Republican Party, weren't you? I was a committeeman for the Republican Party. Era, yeah. 
This show is sponsored in part by Forest Edge Tree Service. This winter has been catastrophic on our trees, and it's led to tons of damage. Ice, snow, and strong winds lead to downed trees, limbs, and power lines, causing massive damage to your homes, cars, and properties. Face it, your yard is no place for looming, dead, or damaged trees. It's just a matter of time before one comes down, and whether by your choice or not. This is why you need to hire the services of Forest Edge Tree Service. If you have trees or tree stumps that you want gone, simply give Joe Rudin at Forest Edge Tree Service a call or text, for those of you who don't enjoy phone calls, at 815-615-3037 to get a free quote today. Forest Edge Tree Service is fully insured so if something goes wrong, it's not on you. And they're staffed with trained professionals who use cutting-edge equipment to get the job done right, so there's no chance of anything going wrong in the first place. These experienced pros take pride in their attention to detail, in their cleanup, and in their relationships with their customers, which is why they are Livingston County's premier tree service provider. Being proactive with your land will save you money in the long run and help you to avoid all the headaches of unplanned downed trees. So keep your family pets, vehicles, and neighbors safe by being a responsible adult and calling or texting Joe Rudin with Forest Edge Tree Service at 815-615-3037 to get your dangerous and annoying trees off of your property. Precinct committeeman. I think that's, yeah, precinct committeeman. And that's interesting to me because during the same time, my own grandpa, John Reese, was the precinct committeeman for the Democratic Party. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, well, first of all, did you know my Grandpa Reese? Oh, yes. John, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew da- do, do, do John quite well, in fact. <laughs> we we got together and, and joke sessions every now and then. <laughs> I find that that's easy to believe. He was always telling jokes. Yeah. Always telling jokes. That's cool. Yeah. And they were they were they were clean jokes. Mm-hmm. I will say that about John. They were they were good clean jokes. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. He was always about that. He never wanted to tell a raunchy joke. No, he didn't. Uh huh. Yeah, we got along fine, but he, we had some disagreements too. Of course, yeah. Republican committeemen and Democratic committeemen. I'm sure we weren't the same precinct though. I think it's interesting when I look back at this time, Democrats and Republicans back uh, in the '60s, '70s, '80s. Um, maybe 60s, 70s more so. I mean, I asked my grandma about this. I'm like, Grandma, you were, a, you were a Democratic? Because, I mean, they're devout Catholics for one. And, you know, a lot of Christian people, devout Christian people, they tend to be Republican just because Democrats today are a little more liberal, a little more left-leaning. But they said that, uh, yeah, they were Democrats. And, that kind of all changed around Roe v. Wade, and they said the Democratic Party kind of changed its stance since then. Do you think that's the case, or do you think... Uh, Democrats have taken a swing towards the left. Yeah. There's still some moderate Democrats, but the, the, by and large, they've taken a... a, a uh, <laughs> The uh, they have taken an alarming swing towards the left. Yeah, it's become a little more radical. You think? Oh yes. On average, anyways, like you said, there's still some some moderates. Yeah, but uh, there's there 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 
course, the, the Republicans have their their shortfalls too. Everyone has. Of course, right. And it's just too bad in this world that two people can't sit down and talk. Do you, hey, that's why I'm having this. I, I've had debates on this show. I agree with you entirely. It's a shame that people can't get just sit down and have civil a civil conversation about the things that they disagree about. I think if we had more of that, the world would probably be a better place. Yeah, John and I, we agreed to disagree. That's what I'm talking about, right? Can yeah. I ask? I'm just, I'm very curious. What did you guys disagree on? I, I remember you told me that one time. Maybe you really got into it. I'm not. He and I, he and I cross swords. Mm-hmm. And that was between he and I. Okay, so you won't tell me? No. <laughs> Dang it. I tried, I tried. No. That's okay. I Not only that. that, Paul, but I, I've basically f- forgotten it. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense too, yeah. You, uh, you mean uh, to tell me you forgot a conversation you had multiple decades ago? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you also became a mayor during this time, the mayor of Fairbury. Yes, and I I've heard you were a stern mayor. Is that fair to say? My grandma told me that. I, I suppose maybe I was. Because <laughs> I called it spade a spade. Out When you came out of the Navy, you kind of had a hobby of building airplanes. Is that right? Yeah, I built what was called an Easy Riser. It was a... It was a uh, Lawn chair with wings and a motor on it. <laughs> and you flew it, huh? Yeah, I flew it. I th- thought I have a picture of it here, but my uh, gra- my stepson has them, my my catalog or my uh, f- pictures at home. Mm-hmm. And it was it looks basically like a lawn chair with wings on it. Well, yeah. so Jim, we're kind of getting towards the end of this conversation. It's been great so far. I want to ask, uh, you're 89 years old, right? Yes. So you've experienced the world turning for 89 years. What do you think since the time you were you know, younger, you were a kid, how has the culture in America or just in this area changed from then to now? How do you think the world around you evolved? People have gotten far more cynical. Cynical? You think so? Yes, I do. Okay, explain that, please. Well, uh, when I was a y- youngster, my parents never locked the doors in the house. Mm-hmm. Now, people, it's an entirely different ball game. But when I was a youngster, as kids, we went out and we played together. And if we, if we were in a certain area of town, usually we didn't venture over three or four blocks away from home. But if we were uh, in a certain area of town that one of the mothers uh, was there, she pretty well watched over the whole crew. And uh, it's just that way. And uh, nowadays it's not, it's not that way. You, you, your kids have to have appointments to play with each other. Yeah. And uh, and you have to lock your doors. Lock your doors, and uh, it's just it's just the, the the people are different. You just 
can't trust a lot of people anymore, or you don't trust a lot of people anymore. Mm. I think the people, a lot of people, are, they can be trusted, but people just don't trust them. Why do you think that is? Why do you think uh, people are more cynical now? Like, what led to that? I think a lot of it is the press. The press, the news, huh? I think a lot of it is, is the press and their uh, take on things that happen and the fact that they, they uh, they're pretty what they darn well pleased. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Well, Jim, this has been a great conversation. I've, I've learned a lot. I appreciate getting your insight on everything. We're about to wrap this up for real then. Is there anything you'd like to say before we do so? No, I just hope and pray for our country to shape up and talk to each other. I like it. Talk to each other. You don't have to agree, but talk to each other. Know where they're coming from. That's I think that's all important. Yeah, understand their perspective. Try to get to know where they're coming from. And then, and only then... Can you both come to some mutual agreement? We have to come to uh, a mutual agreement on what's going on in this world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it's race relations or public relations or uh, when when the people start outlawing the police forces and uh, not funding them. This is supposed to be the greatest country in the world. Let's show them who we are. Or were. That's right. And hopefully that we are. And hopefully we continue to be. Jim Steininger, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's been a real treat. I appreciate it a lot. It's my privilege. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to The Paul Garcia Show. If you enjoy this show and you're watching it on Facebook, please like and share this video. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, consider giving us a five-star rating if you think we deserve that. If you want to help support the show financially with a small donation, feel free to do so by donating a couple of bucks on the Venmo app to The Paul Garcia Show or by becoming a patron on patreon.com forward slash Paul Garcia. Until next Sunday, I'm Paul Garcia. God bless and have a great week.